All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. We are so glad that you joined us today. We have been going through Paul Tripp's book, why we believe? Why we believe? That's right. Do you believe? Do now you, you've got me ah, doing it. Yes, I got him. Uh, do ah. you believe? Uh, I'll explain that more in a second. But I do got to introduce our hosts, not our guests. Our hosts today, Pastor Jonathan Van Hugen from Day Spring Reformed Church. Glad you're here, brother. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Pastor M. C. Herman. Yes, it's good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> That we, I think, so here, here's the no, joke. No, I just our, think, I think our, we'll just let him guess. Our Why? engineer was uh, making fun of Russ because he was grasping a hold of the mic like a rapper. And so then uh, Tim, uh, our guest. Oh, no, <laughs> now it's public. <laughs> Tim called him MC Herman, and I think it's going to stick. It's going to stick. So. <laughs> it's going to stick. I've already I, launched the I line of T-shirts. I can't and wait a baseball hats. to talk to your congregation. I'm going to say, call him MC Herman. I think they've already worked on the walk-up music. <laughs> Is it one of your originals? No, I, I'm, I'm okay with plagiarizing. <laughs> okay. And that's Tim Hazelbaker from Middleton First Baptist. Glad you're here with us, brother. Thank you for having me again. Yeah. All right, so we have been going through the doctrine of God's sovereignty, and what um, Paul Tripp is doing in this book is he's giving the doctrine, and then he is applying it to everyday life, and that's what the Bible does. I mean, Paul Tripp is not doing anything other than what the Bible does, right? So if you look at almost every New Testament book, the first half of the book is doctrine, and the second half of the book is the the working out of that doctrine in the lives of God's people. So um, sometimes we talk about it as the indicatives and the imperatives. The indicatives are, are those things that are true, and the imperatives are now that those things are established as true, Do what's this. the call in our life um, based upon them? The imperative gives an instruction. Yep. So, so for me in my sermon prep, the application is the hardest part of the sermon every week, bar none. What about you guys? Where are you guys at? Well, I think or has that, it changed from week to week? Yeah, in some ways, some ways I, I say the application takes care of itself because when you go to, like, say, if I'm, I'm preaching in from Corinthians, if I go to Corinth, you know, I realize that the people in Corinth are the same as the people in Boise, ultimately. I mean, you know. These things don't change. God is the same. People are the same. Uh, people don't change. And so in some ways, yeah, the historical setting and, you know, whether they have a car or they're riding a donkey is going to be different. But the, in terms of sin and how it affects our nature, that's, that's the same. So I, I think sometimes we struggle with, you know, trying to make it relevant, you know, and, and when really it already is speaking to us. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, and I think I think that's the the trap of of today's much yeah. of today's so, evangelicalism. So I think the trap of uh, application is sometimes, as you know, our, one of our other guests, uh, our other hosts, you know, would say, you know, we're looking for helpful hints for Christian living rather yeah. than actually, uh, you know, so we're wanting them to leave with six things they can do or three things that can change in their life. And that, and that's not really how the Bible is presented to yeah. us. Well, I mean, one of our favorite verses for the inspiration of Scripture is Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. Um, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for 
rebuke for correction for training and right there in, in those in, four kind of verbs in, you have four immediate applications right. this should teach you uh sometimes it should rebuke you sometimes it should correct you and then sometimes right. all the time it should train you so right. anyway my, i'm not trying to get off on a rabbit trail my point is that the bible is meant to be applied to our lives absolutely and i think that's what paul tripp is doing a wonderful job in this book all right so on the topic of god's sovereignty so here is the question um, this morning. The Bible declares without re- reservation that God reigns and rules over all things. What am I to do when it doesn't look or feel like that's true? Trust and obey, for there's no other way. <laughs> to be happy in Jesus. Mm-hmm. I would have sung it, but, <laughs> you know. Thank you. <laughs> no. I mean, I think there's just moments. I was meeting with somebody in my office just the other day, and and they were wrestling with this, and they said there was a time in their life that um, he could he could pinpoint where this was just a real struggle for him, and it was after the uh, 1992 election, and he was saying, "What what's going on? How how can this be that you know that this man is now president of the United States?" Um, and he was struggling with that, and he was trying to reconcile God's sovereign control over all things and saying, why would God, quote-unquote, allow this? Could you make that more relevant? Because Josh wasn't here for that. <laughs> I know who it was. <laughs> but I'm not the youngest one in the room now, by the way. It's Tim, so if you want to direct your youthful jokes, go to him. <laughs> And I think we all have those moments where things happen and we say, wait, God can't be in control if this is true. I mean, just think of the situation in the Ukraine right now. Yeah. I mean, Putin is an absolute fruitcake, and he rules over one of the most powerful nations of, of, of the world, and it's seeming like God doesn't care that he has total disregard for human life. And it's not a whole lot better in the United States. No. Um, so, you know, but God is control in control. And sometimes, you know, one of the things that you realize as you're, you know, in this particular instance, God oftentimes uses an evil nation to punish, you know, evildoers. And, uh, you know, he'll raise up those that will deliver and uh, represent him in ways. And we can see, um, you know, like, you know, the gospel being worked out as, you know, go back to Jerusalem when, the, you know, when in the first century when, you know, with after Christ's uh, death and resurrection, there was great persecution. It was actually part of God's purpose, you might say, because the gospel spread. It went beyond Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and the uttermost. The persecution drove that into other places. Yeah. Pastor Tim. So, since these guys didn't really answer my question, maybe you will. Um, if they, I was turning to the <laughs> to the passage that I want to use to answer it. So, the person in front of you, they know intellectually that God is sovereign, but they don't um, they don't feel like that's true. How would you? What what would be your approach with that particular person? I would tell them, this is the verse that I pulled up while you guys were talking about Bill Clinton in 1992. Um, (laughs) I I, I didn't mention him by name. (laughs) Name him not. That's what Gandalf said about the Balrog. Um, He was the unnamed one. (laughs) Um, 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, mm. so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Mm. So, there's a book that I was going to plug a couple episodes ago. Um, it's <laughs> called um, A Praying Life, and it's by Paul Miller. Have you guys read that one? Right. It, yeah. it's, it is, in my opinion, it's the best book on prayer, or the best mm-hmm. book that I've read on prayer. Um, and, and one thing that he points out, among many other things, is it's okay to be honest in prayer. It's okay to tell God that you don't feel like praying. It's okay to tell God that you don't understand or don't particularly like what he's doing. Um, it's okay to, well, I'll, I'll just leave it there. I would say mm-hmm. take it to the Lord and and leave it with him and pray about it. Mm-hmm. Spend some time in, in prayer. So it's an application of cast your... Um, Mm-hmm. anxieties or your mm-hmm. cares on him because he cares for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's said in other ways in Philippians chapter 4, we're reminded that the Lord is at hand, so don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So you give it to him and at that point, you can have peace that he's in control. The prophet Habakkuk struggled with this. So he was looking around him and seeing things that didn't seem to make sense, seemed to be going contrary to um, the nature of God, and he raises several complaints to God. And then the Lord answered and says this, write the vision, make it plain on tables, so he may run who uh, reads it, for still the vision awaits his appointed time. It hastens to an end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by faith. And God's answer to Habakkuk was, you need to trust. Mm -hmm. What you do not see, you need to trust. You need to live by faith. And the writer to Hebrews picks up on this and and quotes it and he says for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of god you may receive what is promised for yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay but my righteous one shall live by faith and if he shrinks back my soul has no pleasure in him but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who have faith and persevere are preserved their soul and then it goes into the great chapter on faith of living even though we didn't these saints of old did not receive what was promised. They still trusted God and believed in God and looked to God, even though everyone around them would say, why are you still believing? Yeah. I think this is one of the greatest difficulties in the Christian life is Christians. So I'll put myself in that circle. I'm a Christian. Christians often don't believe the promises of God. Mm. So there's a big difference between intellectually assenting to a doctrine and then um, trusting it. Um, you know, Sproul would, would have those three terms, notitia, ascensus, and fiducia. And if you stop on notitia, which is just the information, the intellectual knowledge. ascent, that's, yeah, the knowledge, that, that's not, that's not faith. The devils uh, have information about who God is. Um, I, I think that you guys are both talking about trusting God, trusting in who God is. Um, I think we need to remind people that, look, Move it the eighteen inches from your head down to your heart. Don't just mm-hmm. don't just rest with knowing that that's true. Well, you, you can even to trust to, you can even assent to it and still not actually trust in it. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is something, you know, like you see it with John the Baptist when he's in, in, in prison. You know, he's, he's actually recognized Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Uh, later, is he, and now he's sending a message. Are you the one we're looking for or do we look for another? Yeah. And, and the, you know, the upshot of the whole thing is don't doubt in the dark what God has already revealed in the light. I yeah. mean, that's a little phrase, but you need to remember that. You know, we understand that doubt comes when, you know, when the shadows come into our life, but God has already revealed light to you yeah. that's supposed to carry you through that. Well, well faith is receiving receiving God the way that he offers himself to us. So mm-hmm. when we trust, when we when we believe Jesus, he offers himself to us as the bread of life, as that which satisfies everything that we need. He offers himself to us as the light of the world, that when we receive him, we don't walk in darkness. And so mm-hmm. faith is receiving God the way that he offers himself to us. I think it's helpful to just be reminded that this is a struggle of the saints of all ages. That you can go cover to cover in God's word and, and find saints struggling with trusting God when the circumstances around them go against what they they think ought to be. Um, and what you'll find is that God is very gracious and kind and patient with his, his people. And in essence, he allows them, the Psalms are full of it, the, this, the saints crying out to God basically saying, I don't get it. I'm struggling. I'm having doubts and fears. And that's really what you do, is you come back to God and you lay them before him and say, I believe, but help my unbelief. I I know who you are, but right now I'm having trouble with that, and I'm I'm going to just come to you and lay it before you. And then that, that just that process of laying it before him moves you towards faith. Amen. Well, this has been the Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time.